Are you a follower of Jesus Christ who's done being quiet? Are you ready to tell the world whose you are, totally, fearlessly, and unapologetically? And are you ready to smash that imaginary wall that supposedly divides your career and faith life? Welcome to the C-Suite for Christ podcast, where we talk about living as a disciple of Christ in the world of work. Before we get to the content we have in store for you today, here's a quick word from our sponsor. Christians across the U.S. are rising up and banking with their values, and they are banking with Christian Community Credit Union. A trusted institution for over 65 years, Christian Community Credit Union is America's leader in biblical banking solutions. With low-cost auto loans, mortgages, personal loans, as well as products to help grow your money that include high-interest checking, savings, CDs, and so much more. The money you entrust with Christian Community Credit Union enables them to provide affordable financing to help churches and ministries grow. And with their new Cash Rewards Visa card, earn cash back while supporting Christian charities. It's time to bank with your values. Join Christian Community Credit Union today. Learn more at mycccu.com slash c-suite. That's mycccu.com slash c-suite membership eligibility required join other christian executives in running your business based on christian values to learn more visit the nehgroups.com Thank you for joining us here today on the C-Suite for Christ podcast. It is an absolute blessing to have you. I hope your uh, 2024, 2024, I should say, I'm slurring my speech already. Hope your 2024 is off to a really good start and that God blesses you immensely, uh, not only in January or the first quarter, but the entire year. Speaking of blessing, I wanted to put something on your radar. You're not going to want to miss this. One thing I've been talking about for a while, the other one is brand spanking new, Number one, the thing that I've been talking about here for a little bit now is our annual Covering the World in Christ celebration is coming up very, very quickly. It's less than two months away. Yikes. How did that happen? Pretty spectacular. Again, it's going to be on Thursday, March 7th. This is our once-a-year annual event. We are expecting 2,000 people in person in West Bend, Wisconsin at the Washington County Park and Fairgrounds. We got a lot of people flying into this, man. All of our chapter presidents from all over the world are going to be here. About 80% of the members of the C-Suite for Christ Speakers Bureau are going to be here. It's just going to be so awesome uh, as a family to come together, to pray together for fellowship, but really to celebrate, man, just just to celebrate not only what God is doing in this ministry, but what God is doing in our lives and what God is going to be doing here throughout the ensuing months and years. And, and again, we're pulling out all the stops for you because we love you. Our keynote speaker is going to be none other than Mr. Tim Tebow, arguably one of the biggest names in the Christian universe. 
two-time NCAA college football champion, Heisman Trophy winner, NFL quarterback, just just really outspoken evangelist, and he's arguably one of the greatest college football players ever, ever. I mean, he, he's certainly in that category. He's going to be serving as our keynote speaker. We also are blessed to have nine-time Grammy Award nominee, Matt Marr. He's going to be putting on a concert that evening for everybody as well, too. Plus, we're going to have some speakers, additional speakers and stuff. It's just going to be a wildly uh, popular night where it's just going to be a great way to glorify God. So if you have not yet purchased your tickets, you, you got to move quick. This thing is going to be a sellout, and we're going to have to cut ticket sales off here at some point. You just go to our website. It's called coveringtheworldinchrist.com. Com. Now, here's the thing you don't know about, uh, because we're going to start aggressively advertising this next week. I'll, I'll admit, this was a little bit more reactive in nature. I wasn't planning on this. I wasn't thinking about this. But, uh, you know, me and my leadership team got together. And we thought, wow, we don't want to waste this opportunity with so many people coming in. On Wednesday, March 6th, so Thursday, March 7th, is the Covering the World in Christ celebration with Tim Tebow and Matt Marr. Whether you're in person or via live stream, get your tickets ASAP. But the day before, on Wednesday, March 6th, we're going to be having the Covering the World in Christ conference. It's going to be almost a day-long affair. It's going to be at Mount Mary University in Milwaukee. You need to register because we're only allowing 350 people in. And as of this point, we haven't even marketed it yet or advertised it yet. But based on the people associated with us internally, we're already at 150 attendees. There's going to be networking and fellowship. There's going to be a powerful prayer breakfast. There's going to be a lunch. We're going to break off and listen to some really world-class speakers. Four different 45-minute segments where you can listen to speakers of your choice. We're going to have the networking lounge available all day. Maybe you just want to do the prayer breakfast, have lunch, and just spend some time for a couple hours networking and enjoy fellowship. You can do that also. So you'll your ability to officially register won't be uh, until next week, but if you want to secure a spot now all you got to do is send me an email p newberger n e u b e r g e r at c suite for christ.com so we hope that you i shouldn't say hope we don't say hope at c suite for christ i pray that you'll buy your tickets for the celebration on thursday march 7th i pray you'll elect to join us there's going to be a small cost for wednesday march 6th uh, due to the the meals and everything else but we pray that you join us because it's going to be absolutely outstanding. You know, a word that um, maybe you use it, maybe you don't, but it, it's certainly a word that I think has universal meaning. It, it's certainly not a, a pot, doesn't have a positive connotation. But one of the words that, that has been just kind of in my craw lately is the word phony. Phony. You know, like, like you know, you, you could say that to somebody, oh, you're such a phony. And I think I think part of the reason that this is on my mind is I I love Seinfeld. Do you? Do you watch many of those episodes? And you know, back when I had more time, I would I would just always love catching Seinfeld episodes. Well, now that we have Netflix, you can go back and watch every single episode. And I forget what season it was, maybe season four, possibly season five, but uh, it's where Jerry is watching or getting people together in his apartment to watch that big. A boxing match, and that's where um, outside his apartment, George is backing in, and George and uh, Jerry's friend is is going in head first, and they 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 fight over the parking space. The entire episode is about the parking space. Well, Kramer tells Jerry that this individual that's fighting with George that's going head first once called Jerry a phony. 
Jerry can't get, get that out of his head. A phony? What do you mean a phony? Well, well, then the individual that was going in head first says, well, I mean that as a positive way. That Jerry or that Michael Jordan, he's so phony. As in, he's so great. That no matter how you spin that, phony is not a good thing. And I guess my question for you is, do you have any phonies in your life? Obviously, if you're listening uh, to this podcast in the company of others, you probably shouldn't vocalize who that is, especially if that person is within earshot. But just think about that. Do you have any phonies in your life? Maybe it's a family member. Maybe it's a friend. Maybe it's somebody at the office. Maybe it's, you know, somebody in the neighborhood. I can tell you, if you're on social media a lot, there's a lot of phoniness going on on social media. Everybody's happy. Everybody's smiling. Everybody's loving life. Well, if that was the case, why are there so many antidepressant usage? If that's the case, why are divorce rates so high? If that's the case, why are there so many suicides? There's, there's always an element of phoniness, I suppose. But do you know anybody in your life that is just a real true phony? I've got three experiences. I'll go through this fairly quickly, but I've got three experiences of how the word phony has been applicable to my life. I'm not going to go into a lot of details because, again, uh, to protect the innocent, I suppose. But um, I was baptized Catholic. Grew up in a Catholic church, confirmed Catholic. Now, when um, I fell in love with my now wife and we decided that we were going to get married, we just had that conversation. So I was Catholic. She was Lutheran. And uh, again, uh, at the end of the day, we're all on the same team. We all worship the same God. And it just was a little easier without going into too much detail for, for me to uh, go on the Lutheran side. But but again, I got a lot of experience with the Catholic Church, went to the Catholic Church. And for a while, uh, one of our family priests, you know, years listening to him, years listening to his sermons, years listening to his beliefs, years listening to his teachings. Again, this is what God says. This is how you should live your life. If you want a good relationship with Christ, this is what you got to do. And again, we, we took him as an authority figure, as you should, based on the position that he has. Well, after a couple of years of leading that church, after a couple of years of listening to him, after a couple of years of, I guess, benefiting from his wisdom, he made the news. Apparently, he was um, in his car in the woods off of a bike trail satisfying himself i'm gonna leave it at that and uh, a cop happened to walk by and uh that was the end of his career basically and, and i just I, again i just again first of all i'm not saying this to be judgmental we all sin we all fall, fall short of expectations we all say things we regret do things that we regret i'm not gonna throw stones because i live in a glass house but I just remember thinking, is this guy like the ultimate phony or what? Because he's telling us how to live. He's telling us what we need to do. He's telling us what's acceptable. He's telling us as families and as believers and as individuals in the church what we need to do to earn salvation. And he gets arrested for doing this. What a phony. What a phony. I had a boss. Uh after I graduated college and I worked at a number of places, high schools, colleges, financial advisor, whatever. Now this was in one of the school settings and um, maybe I was a little naive, but you know, one of the things that I learned pretty quick is when you're 23, 24 and um, 
you know, you're you're in a setting uh, where and this is in high school where there's, uh, you know, 15 year old, 16 year old girls. Sometimes they pay attention to you. And um, man, we, we, rightfully so. We were drilled constantly, especially the younger employees, because, again, maybe we were getting a little bit more attention. But, um, hey, this, this is. This is how you keep boundaries, man. You know, if, if you get um, if these if you get girls or, or boys, if you're a female staffer, if they come into your classroom, if they come into your office, keep the door open. Be careful what you say, you know, things like that, which is, again, is really, really good. And one of the things that was really drilled into me because I learned this by personal experience was, you know, you, you don't want to be in a, in a situation where it's just the two of you because, because then you got hearsay and whatever else. Well, in one of the places that I worked, again, because I, I went to, uh, I was very familiar before I worked there with a lot of the students and the families, and I had a lot of friends there. And um, one day, one of the, the parents of one of the female students called me, and she said, hey, uh, can you take so-and-so home today, her daughter? Well, I'm, I'm, I'm family friends with them. Apparently, she uh, twisted her ankle or whatever. She didn't live terribly far from the school. And she said, hey, can you just give her a ride home? I don't want her to walk on that bad ankle. I said, sure. I didn't think anything of it, nothing of it, because I've been family friends with these people. I've hung out with these people. I've been to their house. They've been to my house. Sure, no problem. Apparently, another staff member saw me putting, not putting, but getting into my car with this female student. I drove off, dropped her off, and I was back at the office in about three minutes. He went and told the leader of this school. 48 hours later, I'm sitting in front of a board meeting, and this, this board is it's like the Grand Inquisition. Were you in the car with this person? What were you doing with the car and this person? Why were you in the car with this? It's like, geez, you guys. I mean, couldn't you just gently tap me on the shoulder and ask for details? Why are you hauling me in in front of the board like I'm going to get fired? But anyway, after I explained it, one of the board members even called the mom and say, is this true? She said, yeah, well, this is stupid. I asked I asked Newberger to do it. Get off, you know, take a break on this guy. But one of the people, and he did it out of love, but one of the people that was, I don't want to say hard on me because he, it wasn't like he was punishing me, but he just kept drilling in my head. Paul, I know you got relations with some of these families. I know you got relationships with some of the students. Again, not in a sexual way, but, but again, you know them, they know you. Just, just don't do that again. Don't don't put them in your office with your door closed if they want to talk to you. Do not put them in your car. Don't drive anywhere, even if the parent gives you permission. So moving forward, I had to say, you know, sorry, so-and-so, I, I, I can't do that, which, again, I understand. But this person just kept drilling it in my head. Don't do it. Don't do it. Don't do it. Don't do it. So it was after school one day, and uh, it was – I had a meeting with a bunch of students because I, I was in charge of the – fundraising campaign so we did like our phone-a-thon training there was like 40 students i love doing these phone-a-thon trainings get them all hyped up here's your scripts here's what we do rah 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 yeah let's go and i was talking to some of the students afterwards and ah, i gotta go i gotta go so i was kind of like going outside with them while we were talking and i remember we were at the base of the stairs and i'm just talking to a one or two of the students they were waiting for their parents to come and pick them up they knew they were going to be a little bit late because they had my phone-a-thon training and uh, the the leader in question that i was telling you about left his office he was getting ready to go and he was talking to us and um there was two kids from my phone-a-thon training that um i don't i don't know why they didn't have a ride home uh, i guess they didn't think about it i guess they didn't plan in advance and um the, the the individual said are you guys leaving now and they said yeah yeah but you know we didn't get um 
we don't have a ride home. We don't have bus money, whatever. And he, in front of me, said, well, hop on in my car. I'll take you home. My jaw hit the ground. Not only did he do that when he told me not to, he did it in front of me. And it wasn't even the kids going, uh, you know, the, the kids even asking. They didn't ask him. They just said, oh, man, we don't know what we're going to do. We just realized we don't have a ride home. They didn't ask this person for a ride home. He proactively said, hey, come on in. Get in my car. It'll be fun. I'll drop you off. I just remember thinking, what a phony. You, 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 you haul me in front of the board for doing something similar. You're talking to me every single week about the dangers of this, about perception and the kind of world we live in and how I could get into trouble. And gosh, if one of those students gets mad at me, they could accuse me of something. All very sound advice. And then you do this. What a phony. How about one more? I could keep going, but how about one more? Now, now this one is on a little bit more of a macro level. Um, I don't know about you, but when I was a kid, I grew up loving wrestling. WWF, I, I never got onto this WWE thing. For me, it's always going to be WWF. I mean, the, the 80s, the, the late 80s, early 90s, maybe even the mid-90s, that was the heyday for wrestling. Hulk Hogan, Ultimate Warrior, The Rockers, you know, Earthquake. The, the list just Macho Man Randy Savage. Ooh, yeah. I mean, the list just goes on and on. I adored wrestling. And, and like most people. Now, honestly, my favorite wrestler was the Ultimate Warrior. And, and I've watched all these things. Now that I'm an adult and you know that wrestling's fake and there's all this drama behind it, I've watched a lot of things. Jim Helwig was his real name. And I know he, he got attacked a lot for being on steroids and he wasn't a very good actor and he didn't have any good wrestling skills. I don't care. He was always my favorite. But like a lot of people, I basically idolized when I was a kid Hulk Hogan. I mean, how can you not? Not only is he huge, but I loved his message. You know, what you going to do, brother? And what were the things that he would always talk about? You know, he'd say your prayers, take your vitamins. You know, he would say he, he had a very good message. Even his, even his entry music about him being a real American, helping people. And in this woke society we live in today, for, for, for a megastar like him to say, say your prayers, Hulk Hogan would be canceled today if uh, he was having that message. But it all resonated with me. Say your prayers. Eat your vitamins. Help other people. Be kind. I mean, that, that, that was Hulk Hogan's message. You go back and you listen to all of his interviews. You go back and you listen to his 30-second messages or whatever before he entered the ring. It was all very good and very positive. Well, and then over the years, what? What's happened to Hulk Hogan? Again, I think overall he's still a good person, I think. I don't know him personally. But, you know, it did come out. And, again, when you're a kid, you don't know this, but it came out that Hulk Hogan was one of the biggest steroid users. Well, that always kind of bothered me. You talk about taking care of your body. You talk about saying your prayers. You talk about eating your vitamins. You, you talk about living a healthy life. There ain't nothing healthy about steroids. Sure, they give you good muscles. Sure, it makes you look like you're a bodybuilder. Steroids aren't healthy. I mean, just, just look at all the studies on steroids, what they do to your heart, what they do to your cardiovascular system, what they do to your emotions. My gosh, roid rage. It busts up families and relationships and all that other kind of stuff. And I was uh, well, here's the guy that's talking to us about living a healthy life, and he's doing anything but. And then later on, you know, Hulk Hogan got into that issue with the sex tape and everything else, and it's kind of like, oh, my gosh. Okay, yeah, so you talk about good, clean family values? Hardly. Hulk Hogan, you're kind of a phony. These are just three examples for me when I think of phony. 
And again, like I said, everybody makes a mistake. Everybody falls down. Everybody sins. Everybody does something or says something they're not proud of. This is not me pointing the finger and judging humanity. It's just me giving a couple of examples of people that have done stuff that is way counter to their image. You're a priest, yet you get arrested for that. You're in a position to be my boss. You punish me. You're constantly telling me not to do something, and then you do it? And then you've got this mega platform, the, the, these families, these kids, they love you because you got a great message, because it's wholesome, because you're promoting a certain lifestyle. And then you're doing damage to your body and damage to your image and damage to your family with some of these actions. That is the quintessential definition of phony. You know who else is a phony? Me. You know who is joining me in that phony category? You. Now, I don't know you. Maybe I do. I mean, again, there's a lot of members of the C-Suite for Christ ministry. I, I'm, I'm blessed to have relationships with Christian executives all over the world. So maybe I know you. Maybe I don't. But I, I can tell you. With 100% certainty, more often than not, you're a phony. But so am I. Because what I want to do here is I want to read a very important Bible verse in Scripture, and then I want to dive into this, unpack this, about, based on what this says, why you and I should consider ourselves phony and what we need to do about it. So this comes to us from Galatians chapter 1, verses 6 through 10. This is Paul writing. I am astonished that you are so quickly deserting the one who called you to live in the grace of Christ and are turning to a different gospel, which is really no gospel at all. Evidently, some people are throwing you into confusion and are trying to pervert the gospel of Christ. But even if we or... But even if we or an angel from heaven should preach a gospel other than the one we preach to you, let them be under God's curse. As we have already said, so now I say it again. If anybody is preaching to you a gospel other than what you accepted, let them be under God's curse. Am I now trying to win the approval of human beings or of God? Or am I trying to please people? If I were still trying to please people, I would not be a servant of Christ. I wish we had three days to unpack this because Galatians chapter one, verses six through 10 in today's world is probably easy, easily one of the most impactful verses that we should know, not memorize necessarily, but at least be familiar with and meditate on. I want to start with Galatians chapter one, verse 10. Am I now trying to win the approval of human beings or of God? Or am I trying to please people? If I were still trying to please people, I would not be a servant of Christ. How many of us call ourselves a servant of Christ? I sure as heck do. I don't think you'd be listening to this show right now if you didn't. Just every single member of the C-Suite for Christ ministry considers themselves a servant of Christ. We all talk about that. God is my boss. I worship Jesus Christ. I am a servant of Christ. But then how many of those same people are trying to please other people? How many of those individuals are trying to 
not offend people are are, are trying are being quiet because they, they don't want to rub somebody the wrong way. They're afraid of cancel culture. They're afraid of political correctness. They're afraid of secular forces speaking out against them, making their life difficult, ruining their businesses, whatever it is. You hear stories about that all the time. I'm a servant of Christ, but I'm going to be quiet. I'm a servant of Christ, but I don't want to ruffle any feathers. I'm a servant of Christ, but I don't want to offend any of my customers. So I'm going to take that light and hide it under a bushel basket. If that's you, you're a phony. Because as it says here in Galatians chapter 1, verse 10, if I were still trying to please people, I would not be a servant of Christ. You cannot serve two masters. Either you serve people or you serve Christ. It cannot be both. And if you've cast your lot with Christ, stop giving three rips what people think. I'm a servant of Christ. I'm going to boldly and unapologetically tell the world. What, what can mere mortals do to you? Plus, even if we started compiling a list, because there are things they could do to you, but even if we started compiling the list, do you not have faith that God's going to protect you from these things? Do you not have faith that if these things do come to fruition, that God's not going to redeem you or God doesn't have a plan for you or God's not going to protect you? I'm a servant of Christ. Good. So what is God? What do the scriptures tell us to do? You know, you got to follow the Ten Commandments. You got to walk in his ways. You got to love God, love neighbors. You got to cover the world in Christ, honoring the Great Commission. All, all those things are, are easy to say. They're tough to do. Yeah, I want to cover the world in Christ. Eh, I just don't want to get fired for doing so. Yeah, I want to cover the world in Christ. I just don't want my family and friends not to come to my birthday parties anymore. Yeah, I want to cover the world in Christ. Yeah, I just don't want to end up in Facebook jail or I don't want to lose customers because at the end of the day, I'm selling to both Christians and non-Christians. If that's your mindset, you're a phony because you're still trying to please people. And if you're a people pleaser, you're not a Christ pleaser. Believe me, even what I do with this platform at C-Suite for Christ, there are times I'm quiet when I should speak. There are times where I'm, I walk into a perfect situation. I'm at an event or a networking group or I'm giving a speech or I'm signing my books at a, at a, at a, at a, at a book fair or whatever. I got an opportunity to talk to somebody and I didn't take advantage of that. Why? Not because I forgot. It's not because it slipped my mind. It's not because my mind just went blank for a minute. It was because for whatever reason, I didn't take advantage of that opportunity. Ah, I don't want to come on too strong. Ah, I don't want to. You know, this person's not here for this. I'll do it next time. There very well may never be a next time. Maybe the whole reason God put that person on your radar right now is so that you could witness to that person. It's all or nothing. There is no gray area with God. There is no gray area with Christ. There is no gray area with Scripture. It is all or nothing. If you're pleasing people, you're not pleasing God. But if you want to be a true servant of Christ, you got to... Cut the cord, burn the ships about what you care about, what people think about you. Because honestly, what's the worst that's going to happen? Here's maybe, maybe three things that people are afraid of. A, well, I don't want to talk about Christ at the office because I don't want to lose customers. B, I don't want to talk about Christ at the office because I might end, in, uh, end up in human resources. Or C, I don't want to talk about Christ because I don't want to be attacked on social media. Let's just take all three of those. So the first one, I, I don't want to lose customers. What if you did lose customers? What's the worst that's going to happen? Okay, you're going to be out some revenue. Okay, 
You're not going to have the the opportunity to, to work with this person or this organization. But if that person is not going to work with you because of your Christian beliefs, because of who you are, because of some of the things that you're passionate about, and you just happen to be authentic and vulnerable, was that person worth working with in the in, in the meantime? Well, Paul, it's easy for you to say, oh, I need that money. Fine. But might it also be possible that for every one or two people you lose, you gain four or five? You know how many people, again, look at C-Suite for Christ. This did not start as an organization. It was me in mid-2018 wanting to live out my faith. I wanted to enjoy some intimate fellowship with other Christian executives. I just didn't know where they were. I started sharing about the, the gospel and scripture on social media. Next thing I knew, I'm making these connections. Hey, I believe what you believe. Hey, I like that post. Hey, boy, kudos to you for being bold. We should talk. Well, after a couple of months. Why don't we all just get together? We get together in December of 2018, just nine of us. Now we got nearly 3,000 members. We got 15 chapters all over the world. We have 102,000 followers at the time of this recording on LinkedIn. I've got a podcast, a radio show, three television shows, all because I was outspoken about my faith. Do I get attacked? Oh, boy. I get attacked every single flipping day. You probably see some of the comments that people leave on the post. What you don't see are the... Um, the, the wonderful, uplifting, cheerful messages that some of these people with nothing better to do send me via private messenger on LinkedIn or email. Paul, aren't you too, aren't you a little be, aren't you a little old to be believing in imaginary figures? Paul, boy, I thought you were smarter than to fall for this fairy tale lie. My wife was brought into it recently. That was that was a pleasant surprise. I'm being facetious, of course, but at the end of the day, okay, you lose business. Big deal. I'm going to guarantee you that people that are, I mean, whatever services you provide, whatever product you do, whatever business that you have, I know you're not the only one. Some people are just going to want to work with you because you share their beliefs, you share their values, you worship the same God that they do. Net positive. I don't want to end up in human resources. If an organization fires you for your beliefs, one, that's probably subject for a lawsuit, and I would encourage you to do that. But number two, again, you hear so much talk about corporate culture. You know, we're an inclusive culture. That's another thing. That, that, that is a topic for another podcast, too. Diversity, equity, and inclusion. Unless you're a Christian. Unless you're, you're part of that hate group that doesn't let people love who they love or be who they want to be. Or, you know, you let six-year-olds, six-year-old boys become girls because, you know, six-year-olds know everything. If an organization... Because you wanted to start a prayer group, because you wanted to start a Christian ERG, because you wanted to talk about Christ at the workplace, your organization gives you a stern warning. Your organization puts you on a piff. Your organization fires you. Number one, sue their pants off so they don't do that to any other Christian. And again, lawsuits are perfectly fine. Read scripture. You, you, you try to resolve a dispute by talking to them. You try to resolve a dispute by bringing the facts. You try to resolve a, a dispute by having an adult conversation with the parties to be. And if it can't be resolved, you get yourself an attorney, mister. But also, again, worst case, that you don't want to be there anyway. Get out. You're a talented person. You can make money anywhere. That's one of the things that I don't understand. People that hate their jobs and they stay. That's the definition of stupid. Oh, I hate my boss. Oh, I hate my job. Oh, life sucks. I got to work here. Get out. What are you doing there? Life is short. First of all, you must have no confidence in yourself that you could get another job. But also, number two, where's your faith in Christ? You don't think he's going to provide? 
you're standing up for Christian principles. You're keeping Christ first in your life. You're being obedient to him. God wants me to talk about Christ. You're not letting me. I'm out of here. You don't think he's going to reward you? You might not be Elon Musk and, and being a, you know, worth 60 or 70 billion dollars, but I guarantee you're going to find another job. One in an organization that appreciates you, one that an organization that lets you be truly authentic, one that uh, at an organization that um, really appreciates you and knows what diversity is. Diversity has nothing to do. Or, OK, I shouldn't say this. Diversity has a little bit to do with skin color, a little bit to do with genitalia. But diversity mostly has to do with diversity of thought, diversity of belief, diversity of philosophy. I would say you could have 50, 60 year old white men in one organization, and that could be incredibly diverse. Some are Democrats, some are Republicans, some are atheists, some are Christians, some are uh, whatever. Uh, some uh, have come from the West Coast, some have come from the East Coast. People look at that and go, oh my gosh, this organization despises diversity. How shallow? How shallow? If you're working for an organization that doesn't let you be you from a Christian perspective, you're a phony because you're trying to please people. What was the last one I said? I don't even remember. Oh, you're getting attacked on social media. Well, I, I, I want to I post on social media, but I can't because I don't want to get attacked by people. Again, you're a phony. Because you're worried about people. How many of these individuals that write comments on your posts even know you? How many of these individuals that write comments on your post are you ever even going to meet? How many of these these individuals that write comments on your post are in any way, shape, or form in a position of influence to dictate the future of your life? We worry about total flipping strangers. We worry about, uh, you know, these people I've never met, they, they, they think I'm a bad guy. And that lo we lose sleep over it. We modify our behavior because of it. We don't do the things that we otherwise want to do because of it. It's stupid. What you need to understand here in black and white, and again, this is not easy, but God never promised us an easy life. God never said, take up your cross and follow me and then sit on the couch all day. Christians, I would argue, have it harder than any other belief system on the planet. One, because ours is the one true belief. But then also number two, I think you know this already, but your default destination is hell. My default destination is hell. Thank you, original sin. Thank you, Adam and Eve. You knuckleheads just couldn't listen, could you? And then Adam throws the woman under the bus. Way to go, Adam. Way, way to make it worse. You didn't do that. You didn't eat the forbidden fruit. You didn't disobey God, but you're suffering the consequences. Just am I. We should all be going to hell. We should all be scared, terrified, worried right now. Oh, my gosh, because I can't earn heaven. I can't, you know, based on my works, I can't qualify for it. Well, I did 66,000 hours, therefore I get in. That ain't how it works. But because God realized we broke it. God realized we destroyed it. God realized my creation couldn't obey. He loves us that much that he decided to fix it. He gave us his only begotten son, Jesus Christ, to die a horrific death on the cross so that you and me could earn eternal life. With that great privilege comes great responsibility. And one of those responsibilities is serve me. Praise me. Tell others about me. That's it. Here, here's some more cheerful news. At some point, you're going to die. 
I may die before you. You may die before me. You may live to be uh, another 80 years. I don't know. But it's a 100% certain fact you will die. And when you die, you're going to have that wonderful final exit interview in the sky where you're looking Jesus face to face. Ain't no do-overs at that point. Ain't no reset button at that point. And you are going to be asked to take account for your life, the things you did, the things you didn't do. Did you have a personal relationship with me? Did you love me with all your heart and soul? Did you worship me throughout the course of your days? Did you tell others about me? And if the answer is no, 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 you're not going to like where you have to spend the rest of eternity, I can tell you that. So what's more important? Spending eternity in heaven? Or being afraid to make a post? Spending eternity in heaven? Or being afraid that you're going to offend your coworkers? Spending eternity in heaven? Or being afraid you're going to lose some business? I mean, it's so obvious. It's stupid. I understand why people get nervous. I don't condone it, but I understand why they get nervous. I understand why they're tepid. I understand why they're not stepping out in faith. Because we live in this society where we see real-world consequences. We see people losing jobs. We see people losing customers. This is a very vicious, woke mob that's out there. It's not a nut. Like, like whatever happened to agree to disagree? Whatever happened to go along to get along? Like, if you look at the secularists, the humanists, the um, parts of society that are devoid of Christ, it's not enough just to go, oh, Newberger doesn't believe. Oh, Newberger believes in God. Fine. Good. Uh, he's weird, but I'm going to go on my life. That ain't enough. They got to attack us. They got to call us out. They got to protest at our houses. They got to try to cost us our livelihood. I mean, you, you never, ever see the mainstream media cover these types of things. But Christians are being slaughtered in foreign countries. Slaughtered. I mean, you look at Africa. No, I'm not, I'm, not, I'm not trying to throw the baby out with the bathwater. I mean, Africa's a beautiful country, but there's some lawlessness in that uh, in that continent, there's several countries in Africa. You got to be a closet Christian. You better worship underground because they're going to kill you. And, and depending on where you get your news, but but if you go to a reputable Christian source, I don't know Christianity Today, uh, uh, ChristianNews.com, where that where that's all they do is focus on these things. Horrible sort people being beheaded every day, people, women being raped and murdered every day, kids being kidnapped and uh, uh, turned into child soldiers every day. This world hates us, and, and these people are not going to be happy until Christ is eradicated from every corner of the world. You think your silence is going to keep you safe? You think your adherence to political correctness is going to make people feel fine? They're never These folks are never going to stop. If they're going to attack you anyway, if they're going to go after you anyway, if they're going to try to ruin your livelihood anyway, don't you want to go out worshiping Christ? Stop being a phony. I hope I, I I pray that that really gets drilled into your head. If you consider yourself a servant of Christ, you got to stop pleasing people because every time you try to please people, you are not a servant of Christ. Now, when I talk about pleasing people, you know, I loaded the dishwasher for my wife. I'm trying to do something pleasing to her. That's not what I mean. I mean, I I care about offending people. I care about political correctness. I care about with what this is going to do to my business or my employees or my organization or my clients or anything else. If some force 
is pushing back against your Christian lifestyle and you cave to that, that is pleasing people, and that means you are not a servant of Christ. Stop being a phony. Let's just do one more quick thing here, because I think, again, Galatians chapter 1, verses uh, 6 through 9, also carry some impactful stuff. Let's just read a sentence or this or two. I'll unpack it, and we'll uh, we'll keep going here. But again, I am astonished that you are so quickly deserting the one who called you to live in the grace of Christ and are turning to a different gospel, which is really no gospel at all. Boy, that could have been written for today, couldn't it? I am so astonished that you're so quickly deserting your faith, deserting your beliefs, deserting your God, deserting the way that you want to live your life because it glorifies God and are proactively turning to a different gospel, the gospel of inclusion, the gospel of diversity, the gospel of homosexuality, the the gospel of this climate worship, nature worship, this gospel of this seven-year-old who wants to go from being a boy to a girl, this gospel of everybody has the right to live their life how they want. There's so many false gospels out there that a lot of us are turning to. Now, I used to be in this, in case you can't tell, I'm pretty bold, but I used to be in the camp where like, I didn't have any good answers. So like when I was in high school, well, can two men marry? Like, what are your thoughts? And like, that was a tough question for me to answer. Cause I'm thinking, well, I don't think so. Cause that's not the way that God created us, but who am I to say who people can't love? Sure. Why not? Or somebody says, you know, d- does a, d- does it make sense for a, a government to, you know, mandate that a million electric cars need to be uh, purchased and you can't use gas stoves and, you know, we're, we're going to put on all these taxes for people to burn coal. You know, what does that make sense? And I'm thinking, well, you know, maybe not because, you know, people should have the right to drive what they want or whatever else. But if it's good for the environment and people aren't listening, probably, yeah, let's do it. Here's the thing. There really are no hard choices in life. There really are no hard questions in life from a spiritual perspective because every single answer is in the Bible. That is your instruction manual for life. It's pretty simple. That is the only gospel you need. Can two men get married? No. Next question. It, does it make possible for us to worship the planet? Like, not like I'm all about protecting the planet. I'm all about being a good steward of God's creation for sure. Absolutely. Like, it's rare for me even to kill a bug because that's God's creation, which makes me weird. And my wife hates that. I'm trying to catch a fly for 30 minutes because I'm an idiot. I don't want to cut trees down. I don't want to I don't want to soil God's creation if I if it can be avoided. But God gave us dominion over this world. And and from an economic perspective, no, I I don't want to see business harmed because of this speckled tree frog and you, you can't do anything over this million acres that seems dumb i mean maybe there's got to be a better way you can't tell me to drive an electric vehicle car you can't take away my choices in this regard in terms of you know what i want to buy and what i value you can't do that these things are all in scripture so like paul i'm astonished that so many people are quickly deserting christ 
I'm deserting Christ because I don't want to offend people. I'm deserting Christ because my wife died. What kind of a God would allow that to happen? I'm deserting Christ because my pastor got involved in a sex scandal. I'm deserting Christ because, boy, there's a lot of pain in the world. I'm deserting Christ because some people in uh, Africa are starving right now. No, stop. Why are we turning away from God? Part of the way, part of the reason we're turning away from God, one, we're selfish. Two, we, we can't necessarily see the big picture. But three, these, these, these are strong forces that are pulling us. Let, let's read one more line, because again, this is perfect for the time we live in. Evidently, some people are throwing you into confusion and are trying to pervert the gospel of Christ. Hello? And this is all over the place. You, you, you see some churches that are allowing gays to, to, to lead the church. Uh, again, I, I have no issue with individuals per se, but... Gosh, these these churches that, that are doing these these pride marches, or these churches that um, they're, they're they're run by a woman who happens to be married to another woman. It, it's a, you're perverting the gospel. Drag bingo, that's a fun one. You're perverting the gospel. So many of these churches. I mean, I I told this to somebody else recently, but there's an expectation involved when you go to an auto mechanic. Your expectation is. Your car is safe with this person, and this person's going to take good care of your car. When you go to a doctor, there's an expectation that this person is competent and that this person is going to make your body healthy. When you go to church, that same expectation should exist. You expect that this person is going to be a good steward of your soul. You expect that this person is going to lead you into an intimate relationship with Jesus Christ, and you expect this person is going to share the true teachings of Christ. That's not happening. There was a Barna study that showed only 26%—26% of pastors and religious leaders have a biblical worldview. One in four. That's like saying one in four doctors believe in medicine. That's like saying one in four auto mechanics uh, have even seen an engine before. You're telling me only one out of four pastors or religious leaders— have a biblical worldview, that means the other 75% are preaching stuff that is not related to the gospel, or maybe is a little bit, but they're more concerned about other things, societal things. Let people love who they love. It's her body. She can do what she wants with it. He's seven years old. He wants to be a girl. Let him. Big deal. Hey, why don't we get, uh, you know, Bertha whatever to to come in and do a drag bingo story time let's talk about inclusion yay you know there's a reason why when i went to school i'm assuming when you went to school one there's a reason why sex was not taught in schools because that is not for the schools to decide that is a very sensitive issue that your parents should be talking to you about But in addition to that, there's a reason why, even if it was taught, there's a reason why you did sex ed in like seventh grade or eighth grade. You didn't do it in 3K because these kids, they don't, they don't, they cannot comprehend these things. This is, it's not education. It's indoctrination. When you're four, you just eat up whatever anybody tells you. When you're seven, you don't know the ways of the world. I'm a little sad. That's normal, Billy. That's normal to be sad. 
Dad gets sad from time to time. Mommy gets sad from time to time. Let's just do some things that are fun. Now you got teachers that are going, you're sad. Oh, maybe you should be a girl. And we're supposed to accept that, but we get whipped into this confusion because some pastors are saying it's fine. Some are saying it's not. Some politicians are saying this is a great idea. Some are saying not. Teachers are pushing this a lot. And some of these are well-educated people that we respect. Others are not. So we get wrapped up in all this confusion. Which way is up? Which way is down? Which way is left? Which way is right? This is why we need to return to the Bible. What does scripture say? WDSS. I should make a bracelet on this. Really, I should. Because I think WDSS is so much better than WWJD. You know why? Because what would Jesus do? How do you know? Really, how do you know? Because I can see WWJD being perverted. I can see WWJD being perverted because I, I can see somebody saying, hey, you know what? We're, um, we're a couple, gay couple that loves each other. We want to get married. We expect your church to give this service. What would Jesus do? Well, Jesus was all about love, right? Jesus was all about happiness and peace. Okay, we'll do that. No, that, 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 how do you know what Jesus would do? That's not at all what Jesus would do. WDSS, what does scripture say? It's right there. The, the, the one thing I love about Scripture is, sure, I mean, anything is open to interpretation. What do you think this parable meant? Or, you know, what do you think was going through so-and-so's head when he betrayed Christ? Yeah, okay, good. I mean, we could do that. But it's an instruction manual. It, it's like it's Christmas Eve and you want to build your daughter's bike. How do I put my daughter's bike together? You read the instruction manual. There's no ambiguity in the instruction manual. There's no subjectivity in the instruction manual. We're not talking about, oh, that's a pretty wrench. No, it's not. We're not talking about, this is um, this spring is extra coily. No, it's not. It's just a stupid spring like the other ones. That's not what we're debating. We're taking take the spring, put it here. Take the wrench, turn it here. Done, 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 done. That's scripture. WDSS. What does scripture say? We overcomplicate things. And people try to take advantage of us by confusing us, by perverting scripture. And we can't let them. Again, back to that course of phony. There's a lot of phoniness out there. They're trying to deceive us. They're trying to keep us in this constant state of agitation. They're trying to get us all worked up. They're trying to turn us on each other. This thing about racism, sure, there, racism does exist in this country, but it's not nearly as prevalent as people say. Well, Paul, you're a white guy. It's easy for you to say that. There, there, there was like a study on this. If you take black ants and red ants and you put them in a bottle together, they're pretty much just going to go on their own life. Now, they're in a bottle, so they're going to be probably like, what the heck is going on? But if you leave them in there, the red ants and black ants are walking around. They're doing all their thing. No big deal. No issue. They don't, you know, have any animosity towards each other. But it's funny. If you take that bottle and you just start shaking it up, stirring it up, and then you put it down, watch them. They start attacking each other and killing each other. That's what society is doing to us. They're constantly calling attention to it. They're constantly white cop shot black man. Black man kills white kids. What does it matter? They're constantly agitating us. They're constantly stirring us up. Rather than us looking at the other side of the aisle, maybe we should spend a little bit more time criticizing the people that are shaking the bottle. Churches are shaking the bottle. The media is shaking the bottle. Organizations are shaking the bottle. 
Colleges and universities, as evident after all these things post-October 7th with the Hamas terrorist attack, they're shaking the bottle. We just need to return to simplicity. And it all starts with we don't want to look phony in the eyes of Christ. We don't want to look be phony when we look in ourselves in the mirror. We need to be a servant of Christ. What does that mean? A servant of Christ means you don't serve people. Basically, you don't try to please people that are getting you to conform to the ways of the world because we are in the world, but we are not of the world. And if you just start obsessing about, meditating on, living a life that is designed to be a servant of Christ, so many of our problems in this world are going to go away. So much of the issues that we struggle with, anxiety, depression, doubt, worry, those are going to go away. Because when you know who you are, but more importantly, when you know whose you are, things just fall into place. Things just make a lot more sense. So it's my prayer, my sincere prayer, that you will join me and millions of other Christians all around the world in really focusing on what does it mean to be a servant of Christ. Stop trying to please clients. Stop trying to please employees. Stop trying to please the media, stop trying to please people you're never, ever going to meet. And try to please the one who made you, who loves you, and who wants nothing more than to save you. I was saved in a business perspective about five years ago when I was introduced to Tom Feldhusen, executive advisor. I didn't seek him out. It was not something that I just said, wow, I need a business coach. I'm going to reach out to this guy. Uh, Tom was pretty much the de facto professional coach for the organization that I came on board with. But boy, he saved me from a lot of pain, heartache, and trouble. Not only is Tom Feldhuse an executive advisor, a world-class business coach, I'm very proud to say uh, he's also a close personal friend now. But Tom really specializes in one of the biggest pain points for business executives, which is your people. Do you have the right people? Are they in the right seats? Are you meeting them where you're at? Are you co- or where they're at, I should say? Are you communicating that with them in the right way? And if you need to find more good people, where do you find them? He's got a proprietary product. He's got the secret sauce that can answer all those questions. By looking at some dots, by doing some personality assessments, and by really taking time to learn who you are, where you're going, and what you want to accomplish. Tom Feld, who's an executive advisor, is my secret weapon. He can be yours as well. Give him a call today at 262-305-2502. Well, it's my prayer that you enjoyed this episode today. One of the ways, again, if we're talking about being a servant of Christ, if we're talking about putting him first, if we're talking about stopping this notion of caring what the world thinks, as it says in Proverbs, you oftentimes need to realize that iron sharpens iron. And if you continue to be around people that don't like Christianity, if you continue to be around people that don't let you be your true authentic self, you are go- that is going to start to rub off on you and you're not going to live the high quality life you otherwise would. If you're going to be better, you need to be with better people. If you're going to be stronger, you need to be with stronger people. If you're going to be a better servant of Christ, you need to be around 
people right now who are working tirelessly to be good servants of Christ. And you can find all of that at more at our ministry, C-Suite for Christ. So it's my prayer that you'll go to our website to learn more, prayerfully consider becoming an official member, attend a monthly gathering. Heck, if you love it so much, maybe you want to bring a chapter of our ministry to your neck of the woods. But whatever you do, do something, because we're better together, we're stronger together, and boy, howdy, we're going to cover the world in Christ together. To learn more, go to our website, csuiteforchrist.com. I'm Paul M. Newberger, the founder of C-Suite for Christ, and we'll see you back here next time. Need a trade show display? A lobby renovation? Heck, how about help with an event that you're hosting? Captivate Exhibits can do it all. Plus, they're an outspoken faith-based organization that puts Christ first in all that they do. Ready to captivate the attention of the masses? Then check them out today at CaptivateExhibits.com. That's CaptivateExhibits.com. Thank you for joining us on the C-Suite for Christ podcast. People everywhere are thirsting for Christ. Our goal is to cover the world in Christ using hope, encouragement, and God's nourishing words. We hope you'll join us. Please visit csuiteforchrist.com and come back soon for more conversations centered around God's endless love for us all. I saw you in my dreams before I came here. I will keep you in my dreams when I leave here. You're like one of a kind and my eyes light up when I think about you.